Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. This is episode 249. The title of this podcast is What is Reactive Racism and Reflective Racism? Let me give you the definitions of those, and then I want to get into this because I think it will be helpful for all of us to think about these ideas, reactive racism and reflective racism. Reactive racism is a spontaneous lack of self-control moment where you say something unkind to someone. Think about ready, fire, aim. It is reactive. It is spontaneous. It's an inflection, just boom, reflexive rather, just without thinking. That's reactive racism, and it is a thing, as you very well know. It ignites in a moment. And then there is reflective racism. It is more introspective. It is more internalized. It is a genuine racist. Now, the truth is we all can be reactive racist where we just, boom, say something, and but it's not our pattern of life. I'll get into that in a moment. But a reflective racist, that's a little, little deeper. It's a genuine racist. You would characterize someone this way. You would say, well, I mean, he is a racist. That is who he or that is who she is. The question is, which one are you? Now, I believe I heard these terms, reactive racism and reflective racism from Shelby Steele. I have been consuming a lot of content over the past several months because of the coronavirus and also because of this, whatever this is, thing that's going on in our country uh, with racism and Black Lives Matters and, and, and all of that. Uh, and so I've been just been consuming a lot of content, but I think I, it was Shelby Steele where I heard the words reactive and and reflective racism. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because of in part because of the gaslighting that has been going on uh, with some folks that have reached out to us. And gaslighting is when you tell someone that they are something when in reality they aren't. And there are some insecure people, uh, sensitive people, conscientious people uh, who have been just told over and over again that they are racist and they're struggling. And it's like, well, a- am I? I? Maybe I am. And they don't know where to go with this. And so it, they're really just bound up in knots. And so they reach out and they ask. And and so what I've been doing, I just finished a, a podcast earlier uh, today uh, for the Your Daily Drive Network, where I, I come at this from a certain angle, trying to address the universality of racism in that podcast. And it would be good for you to uh, to to listen, the title of it is is something like "There's one thing worse than admitting that you're a racist," is something like that. And I talk about this idea where people are just really struggling because of these heavy-handed gaslighting, manipulative, manipulative uh, accusations that's been leveled universally against everyone. And so in this podcast, this is episode 249, the title of it is What is Reactive Racism and What is Reflective Racism? And what I want to do is I just want to uh, I want to get into a granular level and kind of separate the two ideas 
uh, for you to think about, and I hope it will be beneficial for you. And so what is reactive racism? What is reflective racism? And so the question is, which are you? Which are you? Because you're you're one or the other. As I said in the other podcast, I was quoting Mark Cuban, who said that we're, we're there's a little bit of racism in all of us. That's a paraphrase of of what he said. The quote that I shared in that podcast. And by the way, it does not matter the color of your skin or who the target is that you're lashing out. There are times when you have said unkind things to those with whom you struggle. That is reactive. Now, maybe it wasn't a racial slur. slur. Everyone is not racist. Everyone's not racist. But I want to take this idea of, react. I'm calling it reactive racism, but just being reactive in anger. You have reacted sinfully toward people. We all have been reactive. And the question for you to examine is whether you have hatred in your heart toward anyone. Now, according to the reactive, reflective construct, you do have one or the other. Because we are fallen humans, we're not perfect and never will be on this side of heaven. There will be moments of anger that you will unleash sinful anger. I'm talking about that you will unleash on someone. These are episodes or reactive moments, but not how someone would characterize you. It's not a pattern. It's not your habit. On occasion, you let someone have it. One of the most common places where you will see this kind of sinful anger is on social media. People tend to have less of a social filter on these platforms. It's called the disinhibition effect. They are not inhibited from saying whatever it is they need to say because they're not in front of the person in in real time, in real space. They're in cyberspace, and folks can be less inhibited when they see something that bothers them on those platforms, so they lash out with a quick trigger comment. If you do this regularly, well, it's not reactive. If this is your habit on Facebook, for example, then that is not reactive, what I'm calling reactive racism, but it's reflective. You are an angry person, and you must find help if you're consistently venting on social media or in your real world. And so the focus of this podcast is not so much on racism as it is on the words reactive and reflective. And for those of you who have been gaslit and you've been manipulated to believe that you are a racist, well, then I want you to be able to think in these two terms. Are you a reactive person, angry person, or a reflective one? There's another kind of person who does hate a specific people group. It could be whites hating blacks or blacks hating whites or whites and blacks hating Jews and so forth. You could put any tribal group, ethnic group, whatever you want to call them, you could put any group, two groups together, and, and there will be hate to one degree or another from one toward the other and vice versa. Now, this kind of hate can be spontaneous, but the root of it is reflective. It's the person who brews over people they hate, and they may react to them spontaneously, that's reactive, or they may plot against them, that is reflective. 
They could be like my daddy, who was ignorant and without God. Somehow he believed that black folks were inferior, and so he adopted the role of a bigot. I say somehow he believed that because the truth is I don't know how he came to that place in his life. And there are many black people who have come from a similar kind of teaching, that they hate white people. They accept what others tell them, and they carry the burden of hate and racism. And so whether it's a white person like my father or black people, however they came to that place, but it's not just reactive racism, but it is reflective. It is, it is in the warp and woof. It is ingrained into their being. This kind of racism, reflective racism, does not discriminate. Anyone can be this way, and that's why I mentioned my father, who was white, and and I mentioned black people, because it's not something that you can isolate to a particular people group, even though that seems to be the only way that people want to talk about it in our culture today. It's not as though one people group represents all the racists in the world. To hate someone is innate within all of us. And so you want to examine where you are on the love-to-hate spectrum. We hate people, and, and maybe hate's not the word that you want to use. Sinful anger, disdain, how about rolling your eyes or huffing under your breath? James put everybody into one category when it came to sinful anger, and he just said he just called it murder. Maybe you could just choose that. But I'm using this idea of hate to love spectrum. We hate people to varying degrees, whether it's rolling our eyes, huffing under our breath, or outright physical murder. And we should be moving from hate to love. And so the question is, where are you as you examine yourself on this hate? toward love spectrum. This discussion is vital because there is, as you know, a racism revival in our country that has spilled outside the borders of our country, and it is is in virtually seemingly every country in the, the world. It, it seems to be as global as this coronavirus pandemic. And so you cannot escape from the noise. And I'm not saying that racism is worse now when I talk about a racism revival, because the truth is it's not. America has come farther than any other country in the world in abolishing racism. It is an astonishing thing where the minority of people— the black people, which are the black people, have had so much. Uh, they have, they have had so much victory and have made so, made so much progress. It is rare in a country for the minority to be able to accomplish what they have. But America affords one person or a small group of people. Uh, to be able to accomplish so much, and that is what has happened with racism in America as far as the abolishing of it and our ongoing progressive positive changes in this idea of racism. It's an amazing country. We are the number one destination for black people around the world. Statistically speaking, that is true. Black people want to live here. These black people aren't dumb people. 
They're not dumb. They know this is a place for freedom. And so even though there is a racism revival in our country today, it doesn't mean that racism is worse now. It's not. These people, these black people who want to come here, they don't desire to be here because we're a racist country. I mean, you don't do that. These folks know we're a better place to live than any other country. But all of our progress in stamping out racism, it doesn't mean that it has vanished. And so while we all should admit that it's a remarkable advancement in folks getting along with each other, we still have a ways to go. And and on and more honesty here, it won't go away until Jesus returns to give us a makeover. But we can continue to address the problem with racism. And you can do that by answering a few questions about how you are on that on that hate to love spectrum. You have somebody that you dislike and you need to move toward love in them. And so you can answer these couple questions here, and it will help you to uh, try to discern where you are. Number one, are, are you a reactive racist or are you a reflective one? Now, maybe you're not a racist at all, and that is possible, but you do want to ask the question. And so if you see yourself, you say, well, I'm not a reflective racist. It's not internalized in me, and I don't brew and stew and premeditate, and I just dislike black people that I am a, a die-in-the-wool racist. And, and and I don't know many people who are. That number is very small. And so what about are you a reactive one? Are you a reactive racist? And after you wrestle through those two questions, I have another one. Do you occasionally react sinfully to someone or something? Or are you an angry person? And so this is the idea of reactive anger or reflective anger, meaning you you sin occasionally in anger. And by the way, we all do that. You're not a racist, but you do get angry. I'm that way. I get angry from time to time. And so are you a reactive, angry person, or are you a reflect, reflective one? Now, I cannot tell you where you are on this love to uh, hate-to-love spectrum, and nobody should label you. It is your responsibility to identify yourself. And if you need to change something about you, do it. And sadly, there is a lot of gaslighting happening in our country, and and you must not bow to that kind of manipulation and pressure. You can't do that. I mean, if you're a racist, just admit it. You say, I'm a reactive racist. Sometimes black people, certain black people bother me, but I'm not a reflective racist where I am, I just hate black people. And so there is a spectrum even within our racism, but you need to identify, you need to accurately identify where you are so that you can work on it. You don't want to be gaslit to where you're just a die in the wool wool racist and and you hate all black people. Uh, If it's just not true, if there's some black people bother you and you react to them in racist ways, well, then admit that. If you're not sure, ask someone who knows you well. Don't accept the accusations of those who don't know you but are yelling at you 
telling you what you are. And if you spend all your time, if you spend your time buried in social media or buried on the news networks, you could come to believe that this is who you are when in reality it's not who you are. And you could label yourself as a, a reflective racist when in actuality it is not true. And so each person needs to address this issue on a personal and close community level, not in the mainstream media. You can have a civil discussion about your attitude toward others with those who, I'm sorry, you cannot have a civil discussion about your attitude toward others with those who don't know you. But for those who do know you, will you do that? Now, I want to give you five questions that that you can ask, that you can have a civil discussion with those who do know you. Number one, are you a reactive racist, as I've described it here? Number two, are you a reflective racist? Number three, are you a reactive, angry person, though not a racist? Are you a reflective, angry person, though not a racist? And then number five, will you talk to those who love you to sort these things out? This is episode 249, What is Reactive Racism and What is Reflective Racism? Racial problems are complicated, and, and they won't change anytime soon. And though there will never be perfect harmony in a sin-cursed world, we can get back to making progress. My appeal to you is to think less globally about the problem and more personally. I talked about that earlier. Perhaps you should pull your head out of social media, pull your head out of uh, the nightly news and think about the problem more personally and with your close network of friends. It's easy to be swept away with the issues you see in the media. It's wiser to step away from that noise and focus on what you can change. All right, that is reflective racism, reactive racism. I want to wrap up this podcast by answering a few questions that have come in. I paraphrase these questions from our community to flatten them out to protect people, places, and and things, and so they're generic style, but you'll get the idea, and so I'll see if I can work through a few questions here, and if you have any questions that you want to ask me that you want to work through, uh, you'd like for me to do a podcast on Life Over Coffee, uh, please just send the question in. I'm not sure if I'll be able to do that, but I would love to consider your question. I would just ask that you keep the question brief. Uh, that would be most helpful, and I'll try to, I'll, I'll consider it and maybe do an episode uh, with your question or a group of questions. And so I want to answer a few questions here that have come in as we finish this podcast. This first one is is about an abusive church member. The person stated, I've read your article on spiritual abuse. Thank you. Uh, the person says, thank you. And I say thank you for reading it. What would you say to the person who is the pastor and is the church member abusing him? We spent a lot of time working with this person to find out how we have offended them. This person has been gossiping about the pastor and trying to divide the church. The leaders have approached this person several times. The primary issue is that this person and the recruits do not like the pastor's theology and preaching style. Several folks are aware of the accusations, and none agree with this person's assessment of the pastor. Well, uh, they have done everything that they should do. 
by the way, this person, uh, they, they read the article on spiritual abuse, which is spiritual abuse from the leaders, and so they wanted to turn the tables, uh, not spiritual abuse from a pastor, but how about, or abuse from a pastor, but how about abuse from a church member, and that's fair. And so we want to turn the table around and talk about abuse from uh, the church member, because it goes both ways. And honestly, there's nothing to say here to this, well, there's one final thing to say that they have not done, and I will say that at the end of my answer to this question here, but Uh, What I do want you to see is the things that they have done, because there's a template here for working out problems. First of all, they're they're coming here, not that we are the people and we have the answers, we're not, uh, but by asking the question, they are seeking advice. And that is a good thing. And it's not wrong to go outside uh, the church to seek advice from a third party. Uh, There can be a lot of wisdom in that. And we've done that on more than one occasion of working uh, with people. We are a parachurch organization. We are supplemental uh, to uh, churches. And so we want to supplement. We are not the thing. We are the tail. We're not the dog. The local church is the dog. And we are the tail, but we do want to be a part and supplement wherever we can to consult and and help people. But they've not only done that by coming here, but uh, they've also worked internally uh, by asking a lot of questions on both sides of the aisle. They have worked within the leadership uh, to listen to the accusations and to talk about them plainly and honestly And then they've also tried to work with this person who is struggling, and so they have been taking their time. They, In fact, you could, as far as this podcast is concerned about reactive and reflective, well, from a positive perspective, they have not been reactive to this person, but have been reflective based on what they have stated here. This person has been gossiping. And they have been recruiting, and so they are dividing the church based on what's being stated. And the things that they do not like are the pastor's theology and preaching style. Preaching style is preferential. Theology, well, theology can be all over the map, and so it just depends. But the main thing is, is the pastor preaching preaching the gospel. That is the main thing. We left a church recently for these very reasons, actually. I don't agree with the pastor's theology or preaching style, uh, but those. But he preaches the gospel. Uh, he, he's right on the gospel, uh, but my theology and his differ, and our style's different. Those some part of that's preferential, and there are some elements of theology to where it's just like I, you, you can't go there with the person, but you don't divide the church, and that's why we left, because we didn't want to do what this person apparently is doing, because we differ, but the gospel is being preached. But this person is gossiping, and they, they are recruiting however that is happening, actively or passively. And so the thing that you need to do is you need to exercise Matthew 18. Uh, and you're already in that process, but this person needs to leave the church. There needs to be church discipline. They cannot split the church. 
they cannot split the church. The beef that they have, the preferential differences, the stylistic differences, there may be some strands of theology where they differ, but if the gospel is being preached, they cannot divide the church. And so you need to continue uh, down the path of Matthew 18, even if it means church discipline with this person, uh, because if especially if they are recruiting people, uh, that is an awful thing. And so uh, that would be my advice, continued down Matthew 18. I have another one here. We're thankful for your article and a, an appeal from a so- former Sovereign Grace Ministry pastor. And I was a former former Sovereign Grace Ministry pastor, and I wrote an article about that that's on our website that you can read. Uh, this person says, you marry mercy and justice so well. We have recently left our Sovereign Grace Church after Many years, God has opened our eyes. This article spoke to the issues so well. And you honored the Lord in how you wrote it. We hope to have closure soon. There's not a question that's being asked here, but I so appreciated this comment because I get this somewhat regularly, uh, people from Sovereign Grace churches, uh, where they come and they just want to talk and They want to work through it, and that's happened a number of times, and that is what has happened here. Sovereign Grace Ministries, my time there, it was the worst. (laughs) It was the worst church experience I've ever had in my life, and and even being a fundamentalist, coming out of fundamentalism is not even close to the awfulness of being part of of that ministry for a whole lot of reasons, and I've listed, uh, I talked about it in that article. And this person, I, I was focusing on the last sentence. They said, we hope to have closure soon. Well, that's it, it, it will be hard uh, based on what you have stated and how this article that I wrote resonated with you. It's going to be very, very hard. It's going to take uh, several years for you to actually work through that. I would appeal to you to make a, uh, a clean break and just move on with your lives. You're not going in the previous question here is like you need to exercise church discipline toward this divisive church member. In this case, I wouldn't recommend doing that with these sovereign grace leaders unless there are some issues that aren't stated here to where you would want to do that. I would just say make a clean break, leave, and and work through the healing process. I have read your article on forgiveness. I wanted to say thank you. This article will help me down the path of confession. My problem is that I'm afraid of going forward. Though I want to do right, I'm not sure my heart is in it. What what would you say to me? Well, I have the article linked here on forgiveness that the person read. If you want to read it, that would be great. The title of that article is something to the effect of never apologize, never say I'm sorry. And that's where I talk about this idea of saying, I'm sorry, it's just not good enough for Christians because it's passive, non-transactional. Asking for forgiveness is transactional. It requires both parties to come together and to reconcile. You both have to do something. If you say, I'm sorry, or if you apologize, it doesn't necessarily require the other person to do anything, and it really doesn't bring true healing. And so this person read that and is expressing gratitude, but now uh, they're afraid of moving forward. 
They want to do the right thing, but they're not sure if their heart is in it. What would you say to me? I would say take the next step. Uh, don't look at the peak of Mount Everest, but just look at base camp. Uh, and you, you've already made a step by reading the article. You made a second step by writing and saying thank you. You need to make a third step and then a fourth step and a fifth step. And what will happen a year from now, you'll look in the rearview mirror or you will turn around and look and you'll see a long path of sanctification that you have made. And so just look at the very next step. Take James's language in 417. Uh, Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And so if you know to do good, that next thing, then you do the next thing. Now, if you want to hang out with us, I would love for you to jump on our community and let us serve you. That would be fantastic. Uh, That may be the next step where we can just answer questions and have some kind of dialogue with you. If we can, let us know. One more. I'm in the process of divorce, but it's not happening for a while. I do have someone I'm dating and wonder what you would say to that and what I could learn from this ordeal. I would say that if you're dating someone and you're not divorced, you, you need to stop immediately. You need to stop immediately for, for several reasons. One of them is, is that you're in a fog. Uh, you're in a season of grief. You're in a season of death, death of your marriage. And as long as that marriage still has life in it, making radical decisions during a time of grief is very unwise. And so you shouldn't make these decisions. You go, you're not even, your divorce has not even happened yet, and you're already dating. Now, more significant thing is that that's just unbiblical. Your marriage is still alive, and you should not be dating. This is episode 249, What is Reactive Racism and Reflective Racism? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.